0: Well, good morning, church. How are we? Oh, amen. I'm excited to be here today. Glad to see so many beautiful, smiling faces today. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I just love getting together and singing God's praises. Something just happens in my heart. You know, my wife and I have. Gone a little nuts over the last couple weeks. We we moved from uh, Mount Morrison to Clio, and just as we finished unpacking our last box, we decided, ah, oh, now it's time to remodel the bathroom. So we've been ripping everything out and gutting everything, and, and just it seems like there's just nothing but craziness and pandemonium, and I got to be honest, this morning when my alarm went off, I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. I was like, uh-uh, not today. Alarm, not today, but... God has given us grace, and I'm here, and, uh, and we're going to be all right today. But uh, So whatever you're carrying, whatever you've brought into this place, whether you're just tired from the week's events or you've just, your spirit is broken, guess what? God's here. God is here, and uh, you open your heart and mind to Him, and He is going to bring healing to your soul Uh, Today we are in Psalm 98. We've been going through the the book of Psalms, highlighting some of my favorite chapters and inspiring uh, verses of this great book of worship. So we'll be in Psalm 98. The verses will be on the screen, but if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there. Or if you have your digital Bible, if you have a Bible app, you can navigate there. And while you're navigating on your phone, you can stop by Facebook or your favorite social media app and like us or uh, check in just to let people know where you are and, and how God is working in your life today. Uh, but to start off this chapter, I have a question for you. When you hear the word loud, what do you think of? When you hear that word loud, and I already hear some people who have, must have looked at my notes already ahead of time shouting out today. There's so many ways we use uh, this word to describe things in life. Now, some less common ways we use to describe it is as something that is over the top or flagrant, or obnoxious. Like you see somebody who's kind of got a crazy shirt on, and be like, dude, that shirt, that's loud. That's a loud shirt, or that's a loud tie. I remember professors in Bible college, I went to a conservative Christian college, and we had to wear shirts and ties to class and slacks. Worst part of my collegiate experience. I hate dressing up, if you know me, and, and I had to do that every stinking day. I looked forward to Fridays because that was tie-free Fridays. Still had to dress up, but didn't have to wear a tie on Friday. That was considered casual. But I had some professors in college that would wear these really conservative suits. But then they would wear some really loud ties. Like that was cool. You know, I used to think that they should have a class for fashion for pastors. I mean, it, it was something that was necessary. But they would. They would wear these nice gray, dark pinstripe uh, suits, but then the tie would be like bright orange and pink, with like Mickey Mouse and all sorts of crazy stuff on it. And be like, man, you need to change that. But uh, we use this word loud to describe all sorts of things, being obnoxious. But more commonly, when we hear this word loud, we think of volume, sound. Like When I hear this word loud and I think about this word loud, the first thing that comes to my mind are like the cheering at my favorite sporting event. Or or the blasting of the speakers at my favorite concert, you know, to where the bass is kicking so loud that your cage is rattling, your heart—you don't know if that's your heart beating or if that's the bass from the kick drum. You know what I'm talking about? That's loud. The speakers at your favorite concert, and, and like was so eloquently uh, yelled out earlier, like a gaggle of children running through your house, yelling and screaming and laughing. Uh, My children have realized that in our new house, there's almost like a mini track inside our house. And so they can just continue to run circles, chasing each other, laughing and screaming and falling and hurting themselves and being loud. And I uh, find myself yelling at them all the time, quit running through the house. You know, calm down. Go downstairs if you're going to play like that. Reminds me of the movie Peter Pan where Mr. Darling was always like, a little less noise, my dears, a little less noise. Except for me, it's a lot less noise. Shut up! You know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. But kids can be really loud, like an inconsolable baby at 3 a.m. in the morning. You know, parents that have small children, you've had small children, you know what I'm talking about. I really think that's why Xanax was invented, for that 3 a.m. scream and cry. There's nothing worse. You're just like, please, be quiet, go to sleep. But we use this word loud a lot to describe many things. And guess what? So does the word of God. God's word uses this word loud as it relates to our worship. The way we express our thankfulness and gratitude to our God. In Psalm chapter 98 verse 4, this is our key verse today. In the New Living Translation it says this. It says, shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. This is the translation of the Bible we normally use. But for the sake of the message today, I want to jump back to the year 1611 and read from the King James Version because it's a little bit more common when you read this verse in the KJV. You'll, you'll probably think of songs that you've heard this, this way, uh, the way it reads in, uh, back in, from uh, your history and, and growing up in church. Psalm 98, verse 4 in the King James Version says this: It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, make a loud noise. And rejoice and sing praise. This is the psalmist encouraging the people of God in their worship. Now the phrase in Psalm 98.4, make a loud noise, comes from a Hebrew word, "patzach." No, I didn't sneeze. That is actually the Hebrew word, "patzach," And this Hebrew word means to cause to break or burst forth. To break forth with or break out. And when I think of... This word, when I think of bursting forth or breaking out, I think back to my high school days how the cheerleaders would hold the banner on the end zone and the team would just come running through and break forth through the banner on the field. Or I think of, you know, it wasn't so long ago that uh, there was a major storm in the Gulf of Mexico called Hurricane Katrina. And the winds and the waves were so strong that the levees couldn't hold them and the water broke forth and flooded the land. I also think of little fun things like this, balloons. You know, when you blow on a balloon, you fill it with air. You begin to fill the space. And the more you fill it, the more you fill it, I don't know how long this, I didn't really practice this out, but. Just kidding. But the more you feel it, you know what happens? It what? Breaks forth. Right? It explodes. Pops. Makes a loud sound. The more you feel something to its breaking point, sooner or later, it's going to give way. And this is what the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 98. Under the inspiration of God directing our worship, it's that God's praises should bubble up deep within us to the point with such force that it just has to come bursting out. That it just has to come. That it, with all of its force, just comes pouring out of our lives. That life would literally be like a Disney movie. That at any given notice, you just break out in God's praises. Like, I got a raise. All right, thank you, God. Praise, 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 God. Thank you for this raise. Money, money, money. Ching, ching, ching. Going to throw some in the offering plate and praise God all the way to the bank. That's what I'm going to do. This is what he's saying. He's like, let your life be so filled with the praise of God that it just comes bursting out with every scene of life. Psalm 98, beginning in verse 1. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He's remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. There is always a season and a reason to pray. And the word of God is revealing to us that there is always... A reason to break forth in exuberant and even obnoxious, loud praise. Right here in Psalm 98, verses 1 and 2, we see some reasons to praise. The first reason I see here in these few verses, number one, it's about what God has done. What God has done. Look at verse 1. He says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for He has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His old holy arm has shown his saving power. You might not feel like praising. You might be in a season where you're like, ah, not today. But if you would just stop and think about what God has done in your life, it should turn your heart from mourning to dancing, from cold apathy to hot worship and praise. I was sick, but God healed me. I was poor, but God gave me a financial blessing. I was a sinner, but God forgave me. I made a mistake, but he gave me a second chance. God changed my life. God put a vision in my heart. God restored my family. God protected my loved one from harm, whether on the battlefield or from a car accident. Think of all the different ways God has come through in your life. He died for our sins and rose from the dead. See, if we would, as they say, count our many blessings and see what God has done, we would be filled with thankfulness and praise. And a little worship will start bubbling up, start filling the space. Number one is what God has done. Number two is who God is. Look at Psalm 98, verse 2. Says the Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. Our God is the victorious one, he is the righteous judge. He is our God and creator, our provider, our high priest, our heavenly father. He is the king who is above every king. He has a name which is above every other name. He is savior, redeemer. He is our comforting spirit, and he is a f- friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is our God. Deuteronomy ten twenty one says this. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles and that you have seen with your own two eyes, that you've seen with your own eyes. There is no one worthy of praise other than our great God. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. When you consider what God has done, when you consider who he is, your heart should begin to bubble up with praise should begin to fill that space in your life and then number three what god has promised psalm 98 verse 3 says he's remembered his promise to love and be faithful to israel his people the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our god you have to realize that god has promised to love and be faithful to his people to his children He promises that if you confess your sin, I'll be faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If you seek my kingdom first above all else, you will always have everything you need. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have good plans for you. I have blessings prepared for you. And guess what? When I rose from death and went to heaven, I've gone to prepare a place for you so that when I come back, guess what? You're going to be with me forever and forever and forever. I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye I'm going to take away all the sorrow and pain all the struggle, all the guilt all the shame, all the things we wrestle with day in and day out will be gone this is what he's promised for the children of God for those who have a relationship with him when you consider what he's done who he is and what he has promised your heart should begin to bubble up with something. Should begin to fill with his praises and be ready to come bursting forth. The problem today with many Christians is many people have been too afraid to let what is bubbling up inside break forth and come bursting out. Because of pride, fear of embarrassment, feeling awkward and self-conscious. See, these things, they encourage many of us to reinforce the containment unit of our praise, to keep things locked away and close to the chest rather than cutting the chains and just let it burst and go free. Some of you here today have made a career out of coming to church on Sunday. You're here every week, week in and week out. That's been your job your entire Christian life, but within the job description you wrote for yourself includes a clause that says, I will not sing, I will not clap, I will not dance. Don't even think about having me lift my hands. I'm never going to show emotion. I won't even crack a smile, even if I really, really, really want to. I want to look as miserable as possible. And you barely even stand when we stand together to sing. And I have to ask myself, if that's been you, if, if you're the one that comes in and just like, Mm-mm, not going to do it. I have to ask, are you considering what he has done for you? Are you considering who he is? Are you considering what his promises are for your life? Because for the life of me, I can't understand how you can be doing all of those things and not have gratitude and thankfulness and even some brokenness and humility come bursting out in shouts of praise and worship and singing, an exuberant celebration. some of us are so hard-hearted because of pride, you bury deep down what God desires to come bubbling up and bursting forth. And he desires that from his people. We can read here even in the scriptures because God knows there is power in worship. Power to draw you closer to the Father in every way with your heart, with your mind, with your body, and even bring healing we desperately need for our souls. And you're missing it because instead of engaging and breaking forth, you're restricting and shutting down. As we consider him, who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised, our praise should be loud. And it should break forth. But breaking forth isn't the only command here in Psalm 98.4. Let's look at it again. Psalm 98.4, the first part, he says, and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. A joyful noise. This is the Hebrew phrase or word ruah. Say that three times. Ruah. Ruah. Feel like a marine. Ruah. And this means to shout, to raise a sound, to cry out, to give a blast. It's a, it's a war cry of alarm or battle, a signal for war, to shout in triumph, to shout in applause, to shout with religious impulse. That figuratively and metaphorically, it means to break the ear or split the ear with sound. The root of the word means to mar. To mar by breaking. So when we read this word ruah, the loudness factor literally means that it needs to overcome you with something that gets your attention. That it overwhelms you to the point that is even uncomfortable. You ever been in a, in, a, in a setting where all of a sudden feedback comes over the, the speakers? goes high pitched in like .0 seconds and now your head is ringing, your ears are splitting. You feel like you're bleeding from the ear. This is Ruah. Here the psalmist is saying that our praise should be very, very intense, overwhelming, consuming, that what breaks forth. It shouldn't look like what we see in many modern churches where people look as if they're embarrassed to even participate. Or wish the singing would be over so they don't have to feel awkward anymore. No. No. The praise of our God should be an eruption of incredible praise. Look what he says in Verse 5, he says, Sing your praise to the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of a ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. In other words, when you praise, Give it all you got. Use everything in you. Use your creativity and anything that you could possibly come up with to praise Him. Praise ye the Lord. Let the foundation shake with the praise of His people. Praise to the point that even creation joins in with your song. Why? Because the King is worthy. The King is worthy. And he's coming. And the welcoming party of the Lord is the praise of his people. In Exodus chapter 19, God descends on the mountain. He appears in glory before the people of Israel. And it was a fearsome sight. Exodus 19, beginning in 16 and 20, it records this event. It says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. A dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. The whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. The glory of God's presence included a fierce thunderstorm and lightning. Noise that sounded like a ram's horn blast that grew louder and louder, probably from tornadic-style winds. The sky billowed with smoke, and the mountain was set on fire. And there was a giant earthquake that shook the whole land. Talk about loud. Any one of those phenomena themselves would be loud in and of themselves. And he combined them all together. It was so great and so fearsome. Look how the people responded in Exodus 20, verse 18. It says, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain. They stood at a distance, trembling in fear. It was so intense that they dared not approach the God of heaven. They were afraid for their lives. God's glory was so great that they were deathly afraid. Think about how loud thunder is. Think about how loud a raging fire is. How loud an earthquake is. How loud a ram's horn blast is. And that is the glory of our God. And Jesus in the Gospels he makes a statement. He says, where two or more gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. In Hebrews chapter 12, The scriptures reveal that when the people of God gather for worship, they are translated past the veil into the very presence of God and the whole inhabitants of heaven. It says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The very God that descended on Mount Sinai is the God that is present in this place today. And if we are going to worship God, to give Him praise, to give God everything we have in a way that our noise is loud enough to overcome His very presence, then it has to be pretty stinking loud. And why should we try? Why should we try to give God that much praise? Because of what He's done. Because of who He is. And because of what He's promised. See, today the church, we need to be a people who prays loud, not just in volume when we gather together in intensity, but also in life. Romans 12.1, Paul tells us that our lives should be a living sacrifice, a living act of worship. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with everything we are, heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. That literally our lives should be defined by how much we love and worship him. So quickly, I want to give you three ways we can worship God loud with our lives. The first is this. We've already kind of talked about it. Number one is sing your worship loud. When we gather, we need to sing. We need to worship. We need to give it everything we have. And again, you may say, Pastor Joey, sometimes I'm just not really there. I'm not in the mood. I'm barely awake. I need like five cups of coffee before I even want to have a conversation. How do I do that when I gather on Sunday morning? It's hard for me to mentally go there, to engage my heart. I just want to sit back and listen to everyone else. And I would say that if you're just not feeling it, then before you even come to gather in this place, you need to prepare your heart. Exodus 19, 10 and 11, the day before God came to visit them on the mountain, he gave Moses a command. He says, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. The reason you're not ready when you gather is because you have not prepared. You have not consecrated yourself. You have not understood the reality that when you're coming to this place, you are coming to engage with the God of heaven. Spend some time Saturday night consecrating yourself with God. Get alone or get together with your family and think about what he's done, who he is, and what his promises are. For heaven's sake, get up earlier on Sunday morning and prepare your hearts. I'm pretty sure the coffee maker brews at any time of the day. Get up early. Consecrate yourself. Begin to connect with the truth of God emotionally. Let it affect your heart. Let it well up within you. And when we gather together, unleash it into the world. Let it come bursting forth in joyful praise. Every week in this room should be a party that the world wants to come participate in. Every week. Celebrating the good, good Father. Worship loud. Number two is live your witness loud. God has given each and every one of us. If you're a child of God, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. He has given you a witness, a story, a testimony. In Matthew 10, 27, Jesus says this. He says, what I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. When I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. God didn't give you that story so that you could think about That all by yourself. He gave you your story, your testimony, so that you could declare the good things God has done and reveal to the world how they can be saved, how they can have hope, how they can have a transformed life if they give their life to Jesus Christ. We are God's mouthpiece. We are his ambassadors of the gospel, ministers of his grace and his peace. We should be proclaiming the gospel so much so that it seems over the top and maybe even a little obnoxious. And I would say that even now, after the elections, we can see that our nation needs the church to be awakened to the power of the gospel now more than ever. Romans 1 16, Paul says this. He says, I am not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed. Why don't you worship loud with your life, church? It's because you're ashamed. You're ashamed. The church is ashamed of the gospel. Why don't I tell my coworkers about Jesus? Oh, they might think, uh, you're ashamed. One of the most convicting points of my life, I was working for O'Reilly Auto Parts in the warehouse, working with another Christian, telling him my story, and he asked me a question. He said, when did you come to know Jesus? And I immediately started looking around to see who was listening because I was ashamed. Didn't want people to know. Didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the Christian ninja and sneak my way into the gospel and their good graces and maybe one day have an opportunity. God doesn't want Christian ninjas. He wants frontline soldiers who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this good news. Why? Because it's the power of God at work in the lives, saving everyone who believes. You want to see this nation turned around? You want to see the animosity and hate stop? Then unleash the power of God because that's the only thing that can do it. And it's only going to happen when the church of Jesus Christ stops being embarrassed of Jesus Christ and lives their worship loud. We should live our witness loud. Number three, live our love loud. John chapter 13, 35, Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Did that say how you vote? Did that say what denomination you're a part of? Does that say what music group you listen to or what style of clothes you wear or where you like to eat or what television shows you like to watch or what books you like to read or what blogs you subscribe to or how many Facebook friends you have or how many opinions you have with all your Facebook friends that you have? No. It says your love for one another will prove to the world You're my disciples, what our nation needs now more than ever is the love of Christ on full display in the lives of his followers. Our love needs to be loud. We need to treat one another with dignity and respect. We need to show grace where our differences don't matter. And we need to unite together in the truth and consider Jesus in all we do. The love should be seen so clearly that it attracts those far from God and leads them to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven before we are citizens of America. We are citizens of heaven before we are citizens of America. And as his children, we need to be about our father's business. And people are not going to care what we sing or what we say until they see that we care. And we can change the narrative that Christians are just racist, bigoted, closed-minded, religious zealots. When we lead with love, as we speak the truth, for love covers a multitude of sins. Church, we need to sing loud. We need to witness loud. And we need to love loud. Psalm 98, verse 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise, rejoice, and sing praise. Let's bow our heads together in this place. Father in heaven, forgive us of taking you for granted and forgive us of being ashamed of the gospel. Forgive us of putting other things before you in our lives. Forgive us of wanting to be counted in with the world when we are to be set apart for Jesus Christ. Forgive us of not recognizing who it is we are standing in front of even now in this place. And I prayed today, God, that we would be redirected, that our minds would be set on things above, that our hearts would be connected with your spirit, and we would be people that consider what you've done, who you are, and what your promises are, and that would fuel our worship and that we would be people who sing loud, that we witness loud, and that we love loud, so that those far from you will come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This world can be filled with your praises. God, you said if we remain silent, even the rocks will cry out because you are worthy of praise whether or not your children recognize it or not. And I pray today, God, that the rocks would stay silent because the praise of God's people not only fills this place, but that what happens in here fills the streets out there. God, that we would not be ashamed. We would not be afraid. God, that we would lead in love and hope with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that your power would be unleashed into the world. God, we are your sons. We are your daughters. And God, we trust and hope in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for the one today that just wasn't feeling it because of the struggles in their life. God, I pray that your spirit would surround them, your unfailing love would engulf them, God, and they would begin to consider what you've done who you are and what your promises are. And today as we gather together and as we worship and sing, God, that they would lay that at your feet and hold on to the promises of the truth. That they can cast their cares on Jesus. And the peace of God that is beyond all understanding will guard their heart and mind as you empower them to overcome through the world. be with us now. Stir up in our hearts. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.